Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, give us ears again to hear your, your good word. Help us to understand the great sign hanging over the cross of Jesus Christ. Not the sign that just said, this is the king of the Jews, but another sign. A sign that says that you, the God of the universe, loves us so much that you would die on the cross for us. Help us to see that sign. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Good Friday. Why do we call it good? I can understand Easter being called good. I can understand the resurrection being called good. I can even understand changing the name of Easter to Good Sunday, because Jesus raises from the dead on that day. But why Good Friday? According to Webster's Dictionary, the word good can be used as an adjective, an adverb, or a noun. In this case, it's an adjective. And good can mean having a desirable quality or outcome, a good report card. I know many students always like those. Second, good can mean something that's morally desirable, a good person. Three, good can mean agreeable or pleasing, a good day. Four, good can mean in a close relationship, a good friend. Five, good can mean financially sound, a good investment. Synonyms include beneficial, benevolent, effective, honorable, just, right, sound, virtuous, and there are many more for good. Well, do any of these definitions fit for Jesus' crucifixion? Does Jesus' crucifixion have a desirable outcome for him? No, he dies. Is it morally admirable? No, he's an innocent man dying. Does it deserve esteem and respect? Yes, but, but how and in what way? That's questionable. Is the crucifixion superior to the average death? No, it's, it's worse. It's a terrible death. Is it agreeable or pleasing? No, watch Gibson's Passion, and you'll never want to watch it again because it's a gruesome death. Is it financially sound, his death? Only for Pilate, or for Judas, I mean. So why do we call it good? Well, to answer our question, we must first find out what's not good about the crucifixion. First, in verses 17 through 21, we're told that Jesus carried his own cross. Now, of course, in truth, we know that Simon of Cyrene eventually carried Jesus' cross, but Jesus did have to carry it through the city, at least for most of the way. And the reason Rome did this was to humiliate the prisoner. You would take a prisoner carrying his own instrument of death, parade him through the city so that everyone would know, don't do that. 
Sort of like in colonial America, the stockades were meant to tell everyone, don't break the law. Well, in the same way, by marching the prisoner, marching the criminal through the streets, marching Jesus through the street, carrying his own instrument of death on his back, Pilate was making a message, sending a message. And the message was, don't mess with Caesar. You'll be killed. The sign also above Jesus was a message. The sign was Pilate's way of thumbing his nose at Jewish nationalism. The Jewish leaders wanted the sign to say, this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. They wanted to keep the hope alive that a Messiah might actually come, which is weird how they wanted to keep that alive, but they wouldn't let Jesus stay alive. And I imagine Pilate smiled when he remarked back to them, what I have written, I have written. Or in other words, you have forced me into this mess. I will not cater to you. I'm telling the world that the king of the Jews has been killed at the hand of Rome. Do not mess with Caesar. The irony, of course, is that Jesus is the king of the Jews, and even more, he's the king of the universe. But is it good that the king of the universe died a humiliating death? No. Second, in verses 22 through 24, we see the soldiers gambling for the robe. The action fulfilled the words of Psalm 22:18 that say, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But in quoting that, John's doing much more than that, as Rick has shared, as Elaine has shared with us. Whenever you quote from the Old Testament one verse in a psalm or in a passage, you have to read the whole passage. And all of 20, Psalm 22 um, is, a, is, a, is a passage that we heard last night. It's a passage about an innocent man suffering and dying. In fact, Psalm 22 begins by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so the message of Psalm 22, the message of Jesus' death, when they divided the clothing, was there's an innocent man here who's being killed. Well, is it good that an innocent man died? No. Third, in verses 25 through 27, we find the woman, the women at the foot of the cross. And I love these words because Jesus shows his care and the love that he has for his mother when he asks his beloved disciple to care for Mary. This is a wonderful picture of what love is. We're called to love each other in this way. This is what Christian community is meant to look like. It's good that Jesus did that. But it's not good, however, that Jesus had to. It's not good for any parent to lose a child. Nicholas Wolterstorff, a theologian who lost his son to a mountain climbing accident, tells about how terrible it is to lose a son. He writes, It's so wrong, so profoundly wrong for a child to die before its parents. It's hard enough to bury our parents, but that we expect. Our parents belong to our past. Our children belong to our future. We do not visualize our future without them. How can I bury my son 
my future, one of the next in line. He wasn't meant to bury, he was meant to bury me. It's not good for a parent to lose a son. It's not good that Mary had to lose Jesus on that day. Fourth, in verses 28 through 30, we hear Jesus speak from the cross, and we hear two of the, of the seven words that he spoke. And these two words are, I thirst, and it is finished. These words are filled with irony. If you remember, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the arche in Greek, the beginning of his ministry, his first sign was to turn water into wine, the very best of wine. But here at the end of his ministry, when he says it's finished, telos, the end, Jesus drinks sour wine. He who gave the best wine to the world received from the world the worst of wine. Jesus has to go thirsty at the end so that we can drink a costly price to give living water. It is not good that Jesus thirsted and had sour wine. And finally, in verses 31 through 42, we watch Jesus die. We hear of his side being pierced and his burial in, in the tomb. And when you think about his side being pierced, you have to wonder, hasn't Je Jesus shed enough blood on this day? Oh, how the world wants more and more blood from Jesus as they give one last time, even though he's dead, one more chance to stick it to him in his side so that he would bleed some more. It's not good that he was pierced in his side. And even more, then there's the burial. It's true that Jesus was buried with 75 pounds of spices. That's the amount that you would, you would bury a king with. And yet I have to wonder, and Jesus is the king of the universe, but the question is, does a nice casket make for a good death? No. It is not good that Jesus was put in the tomb. You see, the crucifixion of Jesus is not good. It is not good to kill an innocent man. It is not good to humiliate him. It is not good to separate a mother from her son. It is not good that Jesus, who turned water into the best of wine, had to drink the worst of wine. It is not good that he bled. It is not good that he was buried, even if it was a nice tomb. These things are not good. They are the work of the devil. And the devil's work can never be called good. And so why do we call this day good? Well, the answer is given to us in the rest of the Gospel of John. In the rest of the Gospel of John, we're told why this day is good. For the death of Jesus Christ on one level is good because it defeats the devil. If you remember, the devil works in hatred lies, and death. On the cross, Jesus confronted the devil's hatred with love. On the cross, Jesus confronted the devil's lies with the truth, as we heard about truth. And on the cross, Jesus confronted the devil's death 
with life. For when he was pierced in his side, it was blood, death, but also water that came out, living water. If you remember, Jesus said this about the devil. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, exercised. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. In other words, the cross is good on one level. Because it's on the cross where Jesus is defeating the devil for you. And that is good. But there's more. For on the cross, Jesus is also purifying us from our sins. It's not an accident that Jesus died at the same time the Passover lambs were being slaughtered. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's how the gospel begins, practically. Who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Passover Lamb. He's the one who takes away your sin. His blood covers you so that God's judgment would pass over you. And that means that no matter what you have done or left undone, you are forgiven. You are truly forgiven because Jesus' blood covers you and God passes over any place that his blood has been. And even more, it's no accident that in this chapter, the sponge that was handed to Jesus was on a hyssop branch. For it was with a hyssop branch way back in Exodus that the people dipped the blood of the lamb and then they covered their doorposts with hyssop. Jesus, the lamb of God, died on the cross so that you would be covered with his blood and God would pass over you. This is a good thing. And yet there's still a deeper reason why the death of Christ is good. The death of Jesus is good because it clearly and definitively declares the love of God. Way back in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, this is a divine gift, his only son, that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. How many of you memorized those words as a child? Most of us have, yes. And I think because of that, we, we think that this verse is only for childish things. In our minds, we might picture ourselves memorizing these words or picture our children memorizing these words. And usually there's a, a, a painting maybe and they're drawing rainbows and suns with, with the, these words. And we think, oh, this verse is for children. It's not for us. No, John 3.16 has adult strength. It's, it's the strongest of medicine. John 3.16 is so important. It's not just for children. Because the reason it's not for just for children, is that God so loved the world. And it's, it's not the world of the rising sun and waves that lap on the seashore or green hills. No, that's a world that anyone can love. That's a world that I love. No, God loved the world that rejected his son. God loved the world that rejected him. God loved the world that crucified his son and stuck him on a piece of wood to die. God loved that world. God loves that world. 
God loves that world so much that he's willing to do whatever it takes to communicate his love for you, even if that means death on a cross. In fact, earlier I told you there was a sign over his head that read, this is the king of the Jew, and that's man's sign. If God was to place a sign over the cross, would say, a man's sign that would say, don't mess with Caesar, um, if God would put a sign over the cross, would say, one greater than Caesar is dying on this cross, one greater than Caesar could come down from this cross and wipe everyone out, but one greater than Caesar will not come down from this cross. He will remain on this cross. He will shed all his blood so that you might know so that you might believe, so that you might trust that God is not angry at you and that God is not going to snuff you out, but that God loves you and wants your heart and wants you and will stop at nothing until he has you. For God so loved the world. He loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is what makes this day good. It's not the scandal, humiliation, or even the blood, though these things are necessary. But they are not what makes this good. What makes this day good is God's love for you, a love that defeats the devil, a love that forgives you of your sins and a love that calls out to you so that you would believe. That is what makes today good. God loves you. In Jesus' name, amen.